Hello and welcome to The Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of The Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you hear in a few minutes. I'm Chun. I'm Anthony. I'm Miles. And I'm Red. This week, Alex meets up with Keith Nimitz, this time to chat with Josh Mandel, one of the producers of Freddy Farkas, Frontier Pharmacist. Uh, they get deep into the weeds on that game development, working at Sierra, and then go into what games they're re- currently playing. But before we get into that conversation, we got a little bit of news to touch up on. So the first thing we got is some uh, new world news, uh, new week, new exploits. Uh, there was a, uh, a gold duplication exploit to allow you to multiply the gold that you have. Uh, the most interesting one of these that I saw of other things was the uh, a new invulnerability thing. If you just shake your window that you're playing the game in, you suddenly become invulnerable and unable to die. Which what? Is, it's 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 fantastic. I, I, I highly recommend it. It's not. It's like it's just playing the game. I'm just playing the game. Okay. It's in the game. It's programmed that way for a reason. And we just get to play it. So that's just, you got to learn how to deal with it. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a new, it's a large MMO thing. And there's going to have, they're going to have tons of issues to, to deal with, with a game of this scale. I, I don't know if any of the New World team has worked on MMOs previously, but this feels very first game centric. Yeah. Like these yeah. are, these are, fundamental things that you know with a bit more experience and a bit more games under your belt you'd sort of just so say oh yeah this is going to be a problem if we do it this way uh specifically the the shaking the game window um led into this whole conversation online about whether the whether new world itself is client authoritative which means that whether the server trusts the client on the the player's machine over mm-hmm. what's happening on the server um new world devs have said that that's not the yeah. case but it's still a troubling question because that means it's really easy to cheat yeah and i don't know this is this is going into other things with new world at the moment i've not delved too much time into it it's okay i'm not quite at a level where i can get to like any of like the really fun parts of the game yet but it's i don't know i forgot what an mmo was really like in a lot of grinding if i don't have a set amount of people to like play with it's not as fun as a solo experience as it would be if you got a lot more people to sync up with and play but it, it looks really fun, and I like the gameplay style. Uh, it's just very reminiscent of like old school RuneScape for me. Uh, but hopefully, we'll see more of these uh, more of these issues and bugs fixed because there are some serious is- like all of these are serious issues that should be fixed in order to make the game a little bit more fair. But in other news, we have Netflix has launched Netflix games on Android. So they started with, I think, what, like five mobile games? Uh, 
two Stranger Things based ones. One of them is called Stranger Things 1984, which is like a pixelated, uh, pixelated uh, world where you're just roaming around and everything. And then there's a, a like Stranger Things three, the game, which I think what they're doing is. I feel like it might be kind of like the same thing as like the uh, the Nintendo title Goonies Two, <laughs> uh, where there was never actually a a show released. You just like, oh, this is an interesting new take on the Goonies. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was going to be a second story to be told. <laughs> um, looks, like, looks like all you need is a Netflix membership. That's going to be a huge thing. I think Netflix is going to be pushing a lot of a lot of really insane shows, uh, games rather, uh, for them, for a force that big to be stepping into the games frontier, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes in the future. I mean, everybody else is going to cloud gaming and everything else, uh, streaming games rather than downloading them, just ready to play off of somebody else's server, just with a solid internet connection. But there's, before we get into all that, there needs to be a lot more development of more solid internet connections if they want to have the player base for streaming that they wish. So hopefully well, if they they're if they're originally starting with mobile, I mean, that's well, that's the phone company's fine. problem. Like Netflix doesn't really have yeah. to do anything about that. No, uh, like, but I'm just saying if they want to reach if they're starting on mobile, that's definitely like the phone company's problem. But if they want anyone playing on console or anything, which they hope to get into in the future, then it's going to be. I, I still feel like the gap in solid internet connection in certain areas is very lacking. Like anywhere that's like close to close to the internet company is going to have a much more solid connection than anywhere that's. Uh, a bit away and has still running on like broadband or DSL, which they, because there's no better option for internet around. But again, that does seem to be their problem. It's not quite ours yet until there's something that we want to play. Uh, and then last little bit of news that we got is uh, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have been delayed. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah, we yeah. Were never given a release date, so it's like, I mean, all right, you didn't, we, we didn't have a release date, so yeah, which day we are not hearing bad news from Blizzard these days. Oh, I know, uh, Blizzard is Blizzard is a very solid company with a good set of core values and no issues at all. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Blizzard in any in any way. Um. When Other I think than... of when I when I think of Blizzard games, I really just think of cool trailers now. Like I don't even really think yeah. about the games. Like I remember Diablo yeah. 4's trailer being absolutely amazing. Like it was yeah. super rad. And then I completely forgot about Diablo. And I just started playing Path of Exile instead. You know, <laughs> I think if I they they downscale down a little bit, downscale themselves a little bit to like a CG company, maybe they would make more money. Mm-hmm. I think they farm but, yeah. out a bunch of the the actual CG work for their trailers, but it's just they always do amazing trailers. So, yep, they really make they really uh, tease you and make you want to play the games. But we'll see how we'll see how the what the future holds for Blizzard in other ways. But I think it's time we throw it on over to Alex, Keith, and Josh for their awesome conversation about Freddy Farkas, Frontier Pharmacist, and uh, working at Sierra back in the day. So, without further ado, 
Here's Alex Keith and Josh Mandel. All right, we are here with Josh Mandel. Thank you for being here, Josh. My pleasure. Uh, we wanted to start out by asking you how you got started in the industry. Sure. Well, I got my first computer in, it was probably around 1985, um, and I immediately took to adventure games. Those were my favorite kind of games, but by no means the only kind of game I played. And after a while, I was wondering, is there any way I can get this software for free? So I eventually found Garuka Singh Khalsa, who was Sierra's producer. I found him on CompuServe, and I asked him if I could beta test for Sierra. And he said yes, and so I started beta testing, and so I started getting my software for free, and this lasted maybe a couple of years. And then one day he calls me and he says, I need a junior producer because I'm doing everything myself. I'm, I'm doing all the producing for all the games we're coming out with. Uh, and I had a lucrative job in advertising at the time, so I never thought I would give that up to go into full-time software development. But I went out to Oakhurst for an interview, and I was so charmed by Ken and all the people I met there and the work that was being done, which blew me away. And... Um, by the environment itself. Yosemite is gorgeous, and I'd never seen anything like it. So one thing and another, I ended up saying yes and moving out to Oakhurst, and that's how I got my foot in the door. So we had you on here because last week we had Keith Nemitz on, to, uh, and he mentioned doing the Mac port for Freddie Farkas. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know, since you two probably haven't spoken in many years, True. why don't you two catch up? And Keith? Yeah. Great to see hey, you. Here. Great to be here, hanging with you again, Josh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my uh, contact with Freddie Farkas was doing the ports to Macintosh. So I didn't really get in, uh, my hands on the game until after it had already shipped for PC. But Josh mm -hmm. and I had been um, socializing as part of the the Sierra crowd uh, because Oakhurst itself didn't have a lot of artistic sensibility or. Uh, uh, appreciation for it i guess uh they like the they like the jobs uh i guess i, I i'm just kind of rambling now josh take it from here uh, well i think it is partly because oakhurst is so tiny um people at sierra socialized with each other because they were the only people around to socialize with unless you wanted to socialize with the the residents of oakhurst uh, who, as you say, were not exactly the most artistically inclined. Um, I mean, I remember one day uh, seeing the KKK marching on the Planned Parenthood office. Um, so, uh, wow, you were there for that. I'd only heard about it. Yeah, I I passed it in the car, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It sounds almost like a conducive environment for making games just because there's nothing else for you to do, though. Well, we certainly had a lot of uh, artistic cross uh, uh, crossover. In fact, I remember one point, uh, Josh, you came and we did a reading of a play that I wrote uh, over at my house with a bunch of other art, uh, uh, Sierra people. 
Oh wow! I don't I don't remember that. That's fine. But I believe you. <laughs> that, that that script didn't go anywhere, but uh, it was a great moment. It's left definitely as an example of the kind of uh, you know cross crossover of uh, ideas and and uh, interests and and uh, passions. Yeah, I remember when Leslie Balfour wrote uh, a show called Hamlet on Rye. Oh, that was um, Bruce's that wrote that, wasn't it? Oh, I thought. Oh, maybe uh, Leslie just directed it. She directed. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. Uh, how did you guys? How did Freddie Farkas even come to be? If I can sort of put us back on the tracks of the game. Oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> um, Al was in a meeting with Ken and Roberta, in which they were tossing ideas around for his his next game, which wasn't to be a Larry game. And I believe Al started to say something like, well, what about a frontier farmer? But he mixed up his words and it came out pharmacist. And they thought, oh, that's a funny idea. Let's go with that. So Freddie was born um, that way. Wow. Um, so, uh, how, how is a, uh, game was typically, uh, uh, started, right? I mean, you've got the, uh, the writing happened first. Did you deal with some, uh, art first? Uh, I don't doubt any coding happened until uh, things kind of came together. Right. Well, Al went off by himself and started designing the game. Uh, and he designed the entire first pass at it. And then we started collaborating on fine-tuning it, taking some parts out, adding some new parts. And at the same time that we're doing that, we're already talking to artists. And the artists started sketching characters and locations and things like that. And then once the game was pretty well scared, squared away, uh, I think that's when the programmers came in and started doing their thing. Yeah, that sounds typical. Um, was there any uh, moments when the the uh, game started to kind of gel in your mind that that you definitely had a, 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 a you know it, it was definitely in the right uh, direction, heading in the right direction? I think probably when they introduced me to the message editor and I could start writing actual click events uh, and now I thought now I'm now I'm cooking. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I think stands out about the game is that it does have that sort of Al touch, but it's not, you know, uh, obscene, I guess would be the words well, for it. Or it's not always obscene. I, I would say the jokes are a little bit more sophisticated, too. The humor is a lot more interesting. Are you talking about the horse farts in particular? <laughs> it's like it's still got those touches, right? Uh, I mean, what was it? Were there times you had to rein it in, or was there any consideration given to the audience? Like, was this not to be the Larry audience, or what, what was that? Well, like? I'll tell you the truth. When I started on the game, I thought Al has this reputation for doing softcore porn, sort of. And I didn't think it was serving him to be pigeonholed that way. Mm. So I was always pushing to make Freddie 
um, the least sexual and the least uh, full of toilet humor that I possibly could. But, um, you know, it's Al's strong suit. And so it came out with plenty of <laughs> plenty of those things anyway. So, uh, Keith, I believe you mentioned a bug that you had to track down oh. right before shipping on Freddy, right? This is this is where I base myself before poor, poor, poor Josh. But, you know, the the um, Macintosh version shipped with this horrible bug. It was actually in all yes. the previous bugs. Uh, it was all in all the previous games, but it just seemed to like trigger more often uh, in Freddy. Uh, and it was an audio bug related to the MIDI driver that had been compiled for the Amiga. And we were just using the compiled code as a linked library into the the, the library for uh, the Macintosh. Uh, and it wasn't saving one of the registers that was expected in the environment of the Macintosh, so it would get overwritten occasionally. And that was the bug. It took forever to find it because it was so random. Um, and when we finally did, that was on Freddy that we realized it, and we like scrambled to try and find a way to fix it. But the only sure fix would have been to rewrite the entire MIDI driver. And uh, they wanted to ship the game. I remember that. that did, was... Didn't you come out with a patch later? Oh, maybe somebody did, but I don't remember coming out with a patch. I thought there was a patch, but I might be thinking of something else. I mean, that must have been one of the most difficult aspects of developing at the time is the fact that you're building for these different platforms. I mean, DOS and the Mac OS, I mean, it's completely different chipsets. I mean, you know, 68,000, the x86, and the Amiga was still kicking around, and, you know, some of these things are getting ported to the CDI eventually. I mean, we're, uh, Keith and I were just listening to the Freddie Farkas uh, CD DOS version with all the audio recordings, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when did you guys decide to record all the audio for it? Well, by that time, I was on Space Quest Six, so I didn't even know that the audio recording was happening uh, until one day Al calls me up from the studio where they're recording it. And he says, so I'm here recording the voices for Freddie. And I was like, what? I knew nothing about it. And he was calling to tell me that he was sick of recording voices. They had been in the studio for many hours every day for like a week, a week and a half, maybe. And that was going to be it. And so we were going to end up having to cut about 15% of the text uh, because we weren't going to record the audio for it. And I was pretty bummed by that. A lot of it was the uh, option to click one inventory item on another inventory item. And well, that's well, I remember that, Josh. That was your masterpiece. You you did that spreadsheet <laughs> where every item had a joke for 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 uh, being uh, paired with any other item. It's just amazing. What? Yeah. Exponential jokes. I I actually have that spreadsheet right here in front of me. Wow. It still exists. Um, oh, we gotta save that somewhere. We need to put that in like a Google spreadsheet. I can sure. I can send you a picture of it. Uh, it's enormous. Definitely send um, a copy but, to um, the uh, Video Game History uh, Foundation. 
Yeah, we need to get that to Frank. Oh. Actually, if you have data, we need to talk after this. <laughs> so we have to hook you up with Frank. But the problem with cutting that 15% was that a lot of those messages uh, contained clues. So where they ended up uh, compromising was, I believe you could display the text for those messages, but you couldn't hear them. See, that's, that I don't know fine if, to me. I don't know if that ever worked. Yeah. Well, that, think about uh, the original um, uh, Baldur's Gate uh, when it shipped. They, they recorded like the first few uh, rec- uh, voices for the characters, but then they let the text be the primary delivery. So they just had enough to give you a sense of what the, the voice sounded like. And then it just carried on with mm-hmm. just text after that. And it worked. I thought it worked great. I was amazed at that, at, at that uh, success. So uh, Josh, you mentioned uh, space quest six. You got any space quest stories? Those seem like fun games to have worked on. Um, well, space quest six was really difficult for me. And the stories of that are legion. Uh, I left the company partway through the development of the game because I couldn't stand what was happening with the management. Um, But again, I took whatever environments I had at the time that I left and I blew them out with messages, uh, particularly the... um, the elevator, I forget what we call it, the astro pad or something like that. You can click on every square inch of that screen and get a different message. <laughs> I mean, that's love and that's discipline, that's patience. I mean, is that just you? Is that just the, the Josh Mandel touch? That's my reaction to the removal of the parser. Not the removal of the parser? Okay, so you just fill it up with individual responses. Yes, because we had taken away the player's ability to really explore in the way they want. So I thought, well, the very least we can do is provide uh, customized responses for whatever the player can try. So all my games, I try to do that. I mean, it's almost a lost art in this day and age. Keith, when's the last time you saw a, a game with a, you know, allowing you a single message for every inventory combination? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I have, a, I have equivalents, but it was definitely a rare thing that, 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 that happened. Um, uh, there's a lot happening in the interactive fiction space these days. Josh, I don't know if you uh, are following that at all, but there's some amazing work being done right now. Yes, I know. It's very intimidating. Uh, but if you like parsers, right? Uh, so, what are you doing these days, Josh? Well, very little at the exact moment. The last thing I worked on was Summer Days for Corey and Lori Cole, and that hasn't been released yet. That's sort of a follow-up to Hero U. Hero U is the last big project that I worked on. Um. And that's reflective of my style because what I was doing was providing the messages for clicking on the backgrounds. And you can click on every painting and urn and suit of armor and get a different joke for each one. 
Um, That's wonderful. And I did work on the uh, demo for Sam and Max, the virtual reality game that just came out for the Quest. Oh, cool. Mm. But uh, once the publisher said yes, one of the old crew, writing crew from the original series popped up and said, I would really like to work on this. And so I stepped back and I let him take over. But at least I helped get the project off the ground. Oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, yeah. Uh, what do you uh, What do you play in these days? Uh, let me see. What am I playing? I'm playing Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh yeah! <laughs> now you got Keith excited. <laughs> You two could just talk about that for the next time. Well, <laughs> I've just been reading about that game, and I, 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 I just don't want to go th- through the the horror that I, apparently it is, as because I, I I've been sticking to a lot of bright and, and uplifting fare personally <laughs> through some trying times, so um, uh, I, I've been avoiding that actually, <laughs> but I knew know about it. Well, my daughter, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she was telling me about how horrible it was going to be for me, and so on. So when I actually played it, I thought, oh, this is quite a bit tamer than I thought it would be. Mm. But they really found a few ways to mess with your head. Uh, there's, There's glitches in the game that are purposeful. Uh, it really throws you off the track. So I'm playing that. I'm playing Detroit Become Human. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff on the PS4 lately I'm playing. Cool. So, I mean, Become Human, contrast that with the simple adventure games that you, not, you know, simple 2D presentation of the adventure games versus Becoming Human is like absurdly 3D and glistening with rain and it's such a step forward. But what do you think of the gameplay? Oh, I, I really like it. It's, it's very different. Um, I can see how it's the logical extension of the adventure game. It's not something I would want to work on, I think, but I can admire it and enjoy it. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of sort of descendants that uh, have come out of that adventure model, but you you know the the real heirs of parents, you can still feel that sort of original soul, the investigative and explorational nature nature of these games, right? Right. And I can't imagine how many people it would take to develop something like that, as compared (laughs) with the Sierra games, where you could pretty much count the members of the team on two hands. Probably Mm -hmm. three, wouldn't you think? I mean, there was a lot of artists... uh, the coders were probably two or three at least. There are maybe ten artists. Well, two or three. Freddie had two or three, three programmers and four artists. Oh my goodness! I I thought there was a lot more than that. Huh? Nope. Okay. That's incredible. I mean, the amount of game that could be delivered too. I mean, those games are not short. No, we try to make them as as long as possible without making them feel stretched out. Indeed, and that's and at the time, the going wisdom for making a game last longer was the Nintendo wisdom, where you just make it like really, really, really hard, and nobody will ever beat it. Right. 
which, uh, you know, certainly the Sierra games are not really, 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 really hard, but they could be obtuse and they could be difficult and perplexing, not to say that. I thought Freddy was particularly hard because of the presence of timers. There are several yes. time, time sequences in the game that I did not think were fair, uh, but forced the player to do a lot of replaying. So that's something I would change if I were making the game today. That's interesting. Um, do you remember uh, there was like a classic um, debate at GDC one year between, I think it was, um, why do I have to space on her name now? Uh, Ken's wife. Uh, Roberta. Oh, Roberta. Roberta, thank you. Uh, and uh, one of the designers from, um, it might have been Chris Roberts, uh, uh, about uh, character death in, in inter interactive fiction. Uh, I'm sorry, in, in adventure games. Uh, and I can't remember whether Freddie took any clues from that after, after that or not, but I remember it was a really a big uh, deal in the uh, among the designers of the, you know, of the game verse. I'm not aware of the game being influenced by that, but perhaps Al knew about it, and perhaps his original design was informed by it in some way. One of the pieces of adventure game analysis that did have an effect on the game was Ron Gilbert's famous article, Why Adventure Games Suck. Um, yes. And Excellent. one of his points in that was uh, the, the whole notion of death in the game. So that's why Freddy has a rewind feature that lets you go back and do things differently without necessarily needing to restore. Yeah, we didn't even get to touch on the uh, the, the death in games, uh, are, you know, concept. I wish we had the time, but Josh, Keith, thank you for both being here. Well, oh, my great. pleasure, absolutely. We'll find a time and get you back here again soon. Great, I'd so love on. to talk with you, Josh, anytime. Yeah, sounds good. And we're back. Thank you very much, uh, Josh for and Keith for joining Alex today and having a great conversation. Uh, I hope all of you enjoyed that as much as we did because we enjoyed it. So stop talking about it. <laughs> in, other, uh, in other news, uh, not news, rather, but in other conversation... It's time to brush up on what you guys have been playing recently. Anything new? Anything interesting? Anything fun? I have been re rebooting one of my old Minecraft server together with my old roommates because we we missed it, and and now we start building again. And you started building it up, like you started over, or uh, we we keep the old map and yeah, and we make a map for the server because we just built everything too big it takes six hours in real life to go from one city to another city in the game mm -hmm. yeah ow and I'm, I'm of course i'm not mean walking in the game but i'm i'm saying like if you take a a mine cart we, we actually build a rail of it and yeah we did calculation on one night and it takes six about six hours <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You gotta go through That's the a nether. large map. I, I don't yeah. I I think we built a server like two years ago and I don't remember me being that crazy, but it seems I do. 
it's it's really fun rediscovering the the old buildings of mine because I sometimes I just forgot about them. I just built too many stuff, mm-hmm. and I was I would be like, hey, I'm doing really good in in two years ago, and I actually, I'm actually surprised by myself because I never feel the same way when I was building it two years ago. I didn't realize how how good it is, and. Yes, so do my friends. They they're just amazed by their old, old buildings, and I think we we'll be building more stuff now. That sounds really peaceful and fun. Yeah, as long as you don't have anyone coming in to raid your marvelous place. <laughs> don't worry I'm about it. I'm the GM of the <laughs> server, so they won't be doing anything. <laughs> they can't do anything to me. I am God. You know, my roommate actually. <laughs> so there's there was one night I was sleeping early and um, they are just playing in the server and it seems like they're having a little war on the commands and when I wake up I see they nuke an area so uh, there's oh. like there's like a few thousand dragonics in the same places like I was thinking like mm. hey I didn't add any mods why would there be meteor in in this area in terms of they are all dragon eggs. So mm. <laughs> we take a few hours using command block to just fix those areas. But uh, oh, those are some some good old days. Yeah, <laughs> just massive destruction of a created world. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! But it was fun. Well, hopefully those dragon eggs will serve serve a better purpose in the future, yeah. rather than being <laughs> bomb fodder. But. <laughs> Uh, well, that sounds like a grand old time. I wish you luck on your on restarting the server and re, and making your cities a bit closer together. I think an hour to get to another city, maybe like a a good goal to get to. I don't know where allow your cities to be big enough. You just you just got to figure out where each one is and then go into the Nether and um, use rail carts we or did railways already. in the Nether. It takes you less, did that? but it it still takes about an hour. Ugh. That's just how far it is. We are like uh, about. It's more than thousands. Just more than thousands. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. How could you cut down on that time? I don't know. I, I must be very. There's got to be some way. I must be ser- very dedicated. I I didn't build it build it alone. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Just enable God mode so you can there just are, fly. There are just multiple the people world. in in the in the world and <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes they would be build something amazing and. Yeah, I I never realize it. <laughs> I can never see it. It'll take me eight hours to find your beautiful structure. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to hold forward on my controller and go as far as I possibly can. Like, use the rubber band trick, so you put it on your controller, or, or just set, a, like, a weight on the W key and then allow yourself to go to sleep and wake up, hopefully, at your destination. <laughs> uh, but... That's that's exciting and all, but I think it's about time that we wrap it up for everybody today. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at the We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our patient supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patient donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we continue that with future episodes every week. 
This week's episode was brought to you in part by Patreon donors Nate Buck and Delada. Thanks so much for your support. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Until next week, I'm Red. I'm Miles. I'm Chin. And I'm Anthony. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Later, gamers.